In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In our gospel today from Matthew 16, we have an episode that highlights uh, Jesus with Peter. Um, in, in this uh, episode, we, we uh, see a, a glimpse of spiritual awakening in Peter. It's really quite profound. Now, the background here is that uh, they, Jesus, Jesus has taken his uh, disciples to the region of Caesarea Philippi, the very, very north edge of, of Israel. And uh, they're up there and he, and, he, and he asks a question of them, who is it that people are saying that I am? And this is where that moment of, of grace and spiritual awakening happens from Peter. And he says, well, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the son of, of the living God. And so you know, Jesus says, well, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. Rather, my Father in heaven has revealed that to you. So it was very much a spiritual awakening. Very, very, very profound. Now, I'd like to say that this was a turning point and everything was went swimmingly for Peter in his spiritual life from this point forward. It actually was uh, an, an awakening, a, a glimpse, if you will, but it was not the whole awakening that you might see. Really, uh, Peter uh, coming into kind of a new level of, of spiritual development. Rather, it was that foretaste of what would happen with him, but it's not completed. How do we know this? Well, if you continue reading in, in uh, Matthew 16 into what is next week's gospel, you'll find that the very next thing that happens is uh, Jesus is describing to his disciples the fact that he, they were going to have to go to Jerusalem. He was going to be, he was going to be ill-treated. He was going to be tortured. He was going to be executed. And then on the third day, rise from the dead. And it says that Peter pulls Jesus aside, give him some counsel, right? And says, uh, uh, and he rebukes, rebukes Jesus saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. And so then pay close attention to this. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. So this is not exactly the spiritual awakening uh, episode here, but rather we see Peter falling back in his default position. Now we, we get a little more clarity about what's going on in this sort of spiritual dynamic, the spiritual growth dynamic, when we look at Paul's um, uh, writings to the church in Rome that we have today. And uh, so we have this line from, from Paul. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is the, the dynamic, simply put, just a few words of what needs to happen for this sort of uh, new level uh, way of being in terms of spiritual development, spiritual consciousness that can happen, that Peter had that glimpse of. And he says it's by not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So let's look at this for a minute. When we look at, uh, at spiritual development, we, what we begin to see is that there are worldviews. So what Jesus is describing with Peter is a worldview that, um, that flesh and blood might, how the, that would see the world and all the, the relationships and events of the world then how one might see that in the spirit. They look very, very different. And then when Jesus, when Jesus is rebuked by Peter in the, the following episode, remember how Jesus, what Jesus says? He says, you're not setting your mind 
on divine things, but rather on human things. So you've ta- he's saying you've taken back, you've gone back into this uh, worldview that is sort of the way of con- being conformed to the world. And uh, so we have these, these various um, worldviews that happen. And uh, so what's, what, what Paul is saying, the shift that needs to go to take place is being conformed with the world to being transformed by the Spirit of Christ. Well, you know, what is all that meaning? Now, when we first hear, don't be conformed to the world, we might actually, I know this might, has been my tendency in the past, is think conformed with the world, that's kind of doing bad stuff. That's the, you know, the drug, sex, and rock and roll kind of scenario, right? But actually, when we're conformed to the world, we are actually, we have actually um, embraced a standard that our culture, our group, our, our, our nation, whatever it may be, whatever that group is that by which we're defined, we have conformed to that particular worldview, the expectations, the cultural norms of that particular group. So we've actually moved in from maybe being kind of wild and rebellious into a conformity with all those rules. But here's the thing about those rules. They are the product of flesh and blood. And therefore, they really aren't divine things in that particular sense. Not that there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a very good thing for us developmentally to move from that kind of rebellious drug, sex, and rock and roll kind of thing into um, a conformity where we actually embrace standards and norms, become a good citizen. In fact, that's the great foundation for moving into higher levels of spiritual development. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing to be conformed to this world, except that the thing about worldviews is that we think that's all of reality. We get stuck in that particular worldview, and we very infrequently see a move or change out of that. And so this becomes our whole lifelong perspective for many, many people, unchanging for the most part of having that particular worldview. So what Paul is talking about, what Jesus is talking about as well, is a transformed worldview that is the product not of flesh and blood, of being conformed, but rather is the product of a transformation that happens by the Spirit of God. So when we look at Jesus himself, we actually see that there were a number of worldviews that are views that, that people took of him himself, Jesus himself. For instance, let's take the Romans. Well, how do they look at Jesus? Well, they saw him frequently as a rabble rouser. He's someone who's talking about being a Messiah, a Christ. And they've had experience with people that said they were Messiahs. And all that it meant for them before was people that were fomenting um, a, a rebellion against Roman rule. And so they saw in, in Jesus a, a view of him that was a rabble rouser, um, someone who had the potential of disrupt it, disrupting the social peace that they were so um, uh, fervently trying to keep intact. We also see a view of Jesus that comes from the Jewish elite. Well, they saw him maybe as a pretender or certainly as a heretic in terms of what he taught and did. And they saw him as a threat to their authority and status. We also see the ordinary people the people that Jesus interacted with in terms of teaching and 
healing and miracles and all these dimensions of his ministry of showing grace and love to them. And actually, that's the very question that Jesus was asking of his disciples. Who are people, who are those kinds of people saying, I am? What's the view that they are having? What's their worldview in terms of how my ministry is impacting them? And so what their, their level of development here was that they said, well, he's like one of the famous prophets. Well, that's certainly a huge improvement over some of the other views, but also not quite there. And so then we see Peter himself. And he at this moment, this, this, this episode where it opens up, he sees clearly by the Spirit, he sees in Jesus the cosmic Christ. That in Jesus is the cosmic Christ. He's able to articulate that profoundly. And it wasn't anything that flesh and blood, the world of conformity, could reveal to him or to anyone. It's the work of God through the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who is the agent of transformation. And in positioning Peter with this glimpse, he's setting the Spirit is opening up doorways for the light of Christ to come in for the future of his own development and coming to a new place of transformed spiritual life. Now, what's interesting about these different views about Jesus is that they're widely divergent. We could probably put, throw in a number of other ones as well if we were to break it down. These views of Jesus about who he was were actually independent of him, of who he actually was. Jesus was what he was. And that was the Christ incarnate in this person, Jesus of Nazareth. Nothing anybody thought about that changes who he is. And so we see all these worldviews that are defined Jesus and define the spiritual life. Some are more accurate than others very, very clearly. And it's not only true for back then, it's true for today. How we see Jesus and this whole enterprise of what he's about is dictated by our worldviews. And we can be stuck in a, in, a, in a view that's really quite inaccurate, perhaps all of our lives, based on a lower understanding of who he actually is, instead of being transformed to see more clearly who he actually is. So the true humanity that God wishes for all of us um, is, is to move us from being conformed, this conforming nature, um, and move into a worldview that is, unf is unfolding consciousness, of coming in to new dimensions, not only through, um, through little episodes, but actually as a whole way of living and residing. If you can imagine this unfolding consciousness to be something like this, an unfolding flower. You can see a, a flower that's, that's merely in a bud form, and you can see it beginning to open. Well, all these different levels of, of consciousness development are an opening of that flower, and they can continue to open. And in fact, you need all those openings. You just don't skip over to the full flower. You need each one of those. You need to transcend and include each one of these as we grow together. But to see that, it, that it, there's still more to open up and to open up and to open up, unless we become arrested and that flower at, is only at a certain stage of opening and it simply stays there. 
Paul does suggest, clearly, that somehow or another we can move from conformity, don't be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. But how do we do that? Well, he says it's through the renewing of our mind. The renewing of our mind. That is the renewing of our consciousness. Now, when we look at the word renew, what does it mean? Well, a lot of words that start with R-E, re, um, actually have something to do with, with, um, with revisiting, uh, to, to, to going back to something else in a particular way. So like the, like the, uh, the words for uh, like uh, retread, we retread a tire. So we're going back to having a tread on the tire. Or we recall something. So we're going back to something that's in our memory that, to, to recall, to go back there. Or to regress is to slide back into an earlier way of being. And so renew means to go back to something that is new. But here's the thing, it's not going back to some form of conformity, but something that is old but new. It's going back to a restart of sorts, another turn in that spiral of growth and consciousness in Christ, of transformation. And so we, we uh, see something, we, we, we are going, we're going back to another start, a fresh start that's going to now take us to another level which really I think is quite exciting to think that we have these opportunities for something new that has something to do with the past. It's not disconnected with that, but, it, but it's new at the same time. And then our eyes are opening to new dimensions and new realities and new truths and new life and new graces, new love. And that's what this Christian life is really about. It's like this grand exciting, exhilarating adventure of being renewed unless we get stuck somewhere along the way. Well, it's clear from the scriptures, God's intention is that we be transformed by these renewals that allow us to experience more of the life of God. And so we see um, this call to be renewed. Well, how do we go about doing that? How do we see the unfolding of this understanding of consciousness? How does that happen? Well, let me just suggest a couple of very simple things. Looking at particularly the gospel today, Matthew 16. Well, like Peter and the other disciples, it really kind of helps to hang out with Jesus. That's what they did. That was a starting point. These were just fishermen and tax collectors, sort of regular, very regular guys. And they hung out with Jesus. They were with them. And I don't mean just hanging out, you know, just uh, um, having lattes together. I'm talking about living with Jesus to the point they actually are observing his life and what goes in to a renewed, transformed life. He was the example of that. They were able to see in him and the whole lifestyle that they were privileged to be with him uh, 24-7 for so much of his three-year ministry. And that's what we too are called to do, to look at the life of Jesus, to live with that life, to look at that example, to see what a transformed life does look like, and let that get into our, our soul and into our mind that needs to be continually transformed. And secondly, we need to be open to the Spirit. Remember that the spirit is the agent of transformation. It is not flesh and blood. 
It's not any form of conformity to a human uh, um, uh, agenda or process. And by being open to that spirit, we have the opportunity for the spirit to cut through all of the points of conformity, not to destroy it, but to open up these gaps, these holes, these episodes where the, the transformed life begins to penetrate. It begins from inside out to transform who we are, to let the light of transformation penetrate our deepest being. The higher life of the Spirit is not revealed to us by flesh and blood, but through God by the Spirit. And that's really good news because the Spirit is not only in the church, the Spirit is in us. And that kind of transformation is something that is the work and the movement of the Spirit in our lives. If only we will allow the unfolding of that wonderful flower that our life in God is intended to be. Amen.